Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Security Squad Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning, out of Philadelphia from Exact IT Solutions. And we have our two other co-hosts, Reginald Andre from Arc Solvers in Miami, Florida, and Randy Bryan from Tech Rescue in San Marco, Texas. How are you, gentlemen? Welcome to another episode. Good Doing morning. great, man. Uh, good to see everybody. Had a big time last week out in Phoenix, learning more about cybersecurity. Got to get up and give a little talk. It was good times. I just saw a post. It says there were 200 people there. Is that accurate? Yeah, I was thinking between two and 300. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Glad you had a good time. Yeah. So, uh, guys, today on the show, we're going to get right into it. Um, we started a little late today, so we want to get all the content in. Um, we're going to talk about a couple cyber attacks that nobody's talking about. Um, they've been going on for a while, and they're affecting a lot of people out in the world uh, on two very different levels. Um, and we're going to maybe spend a little bit of time trying to discuss why we're not, why these things are not getting um, the the attention or the press. Uh, that we feel like maybe it should. And then uh, we'll move on to an interesting uh, <clears throat> network attached storage device. These are these boxes that, you know, you have that you might you might buy to store files and things like that. Um, there's something called a QNAP device. And that those devices are under attack right now. So we're going to get into that and educate you a little bit on that because QNAP... Uh, could be something that you buy at you know a consumer electronics store like Best Buy or something like that. Um, and then we're going to get into some interesting data on what happened in 2021 regarding cybersecurity. And uh, and then North Koreans are, are creating some havoc, and we're going to talk about that a little bit towards the end. So that's what's on tap for today. Remember, guys, uh, help us out with the show. Share it out to your friends and family on social media. We have a Security Squawk Facebook page, and we stream live to that as we record this show live. If you can just go over there and share that out, type in Security Squawk, search for us, go to our page. You'll see a post for this live podcast. You can share that out. You can head over to uh, iTunes and download it there and give us a five-star review. However you want to do it helps us uh, grow the show uh, and every week we see more and more people interacting with our live podcast and we also see more and more people downloading our show uh, on their favorite podcast platform. So we thank you for that and keep keep help keep helping us spread the word about cybersecurity. And we'll keep putting out content to educate you and keep you informed about what's going on out there in the world. So, guys, let's uh, let's jump into this. Uh, there's two here, right? Two that we want to talk about. Um, we have R.R. Donnelly uh, and. These are both publicly traded companies, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Kronos is as well. Um, but we have R. Donnelly, which is the largest printing company in the United States, I think maybe even in the world. And then we have Kronos also, which is one of the largest payroll and HR providers uh, in the world, um, who are both experiencing a very long and drawn out cyber attack. Both companies have been down since about... I think Kronos went down first around the beginning in the mid middle of December and, and RR Donnelly went down at the end of December. So um, while I'm bringing, or I'm going to bring RR Donnelly article up on the screen first guys, but 
what's going on here with R.R. Donnelly, Randy? Um, you seem to, when we were talking in the green room, know a little bit more about this. Uh, so what's going on at R.R. Donnelly? What's the impact here? Fill us in on, on what's happening because they don't have ransomware, and I think that's important to prove to point yeah, out. Yeah, um, so they, they officially told the government that it was a systems intrusion into its technical environment. Um, they've hired an outside security firm to help them with it. And apparently they're in talks um, with, uh, with this group, uh, Conte, uh, Conte about it. Um, but I'm not um, exactly uh, sure about that. And then also there is possibility that there has been data leaked out of their system. Um, this one, I mean, I know that they're not officially saying it's ransomware, but I know that Conti is well known for that. So, you know, not quite sure here, but bottom line, it's a pretty, pretty bad deal. Um, potential for lots of data to be leaked. Um, and, you know, if they don't pay for it, um, that data is going to be uh, made public. So they're not under an actual ransomware attack. They know somebody's in the system. And this is kind of, we. I talked about this, um, God, I can't remember the name of the company. I think it was a Thales group, um, if I remember correctly, that they were under a similar type of attack where ransomware doesn't wasn't deployed, data was exfiltrated, and the, and the threat of releasing that data was basically what Thales group was up against. And actually at the time, um, the, the, the information came out through the dark web on the ransomware groups, you know, shaming blog that they, that the, all these guys have and some security research company, I think it might've been bleeping computer reached out to Thales group. And they were like, what are you talking about? We're not under attack. <laughs> um, so we're seeing a lot of this now, right? We're, this is starting to become a thing where rant, they don't really need to deploy ransomware to get paid anymore. Um, and as far as I know, R. R. Donnelly can't print or they can't do business like they normally could, um, which is enough to, I guess, probably to get you to pay, but maybe not because what they've been down for a month and a half. I don't know how you you're, you're down for this long or dealing with this Conti ransomware group, um, for this long and, you're, you're, you know, you got this hanging over your head. You know what I mean? This is a, the other thing too, is I know about this R. Donnelly thing. Cause I did a YouTube video on it on my own channel. When this attack happened back in December, this company was actually, it's publicly traded, but they were going to be acquired. And there's, there's actually, if you read it in, in early January, there's companies that are still making bids on this company, even while, this ransomware group is basically trying to take over their network or at least cause havoc. Um, this is a little mind boggling to me because, you know, all these things that I'm saying are like, Oh my God, like I can't imagine what's going on inside of this company. So Andre, I'm going to flip it over to you and kind of build off of that. What do you think is going on at RR Donnelly publicly traded company, very large company, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of get the impression that they're not doing much to deal with this problem, or maybe they are like, I don't know. This is going on for a long time. I don't know how this company manages to stave this off 
and stay out of the news at the same time. Yeah. So what we've been seeing a lot with these companies is they just start to get tight lip and they don't give the public any information um, to just kind of hide this and and try to deal with it internally. But one perspective that I would look at as well is why didn't Conti just turn on the ransomware? And my thinking is that maybe our Donnelly had the protection, had enough protection where they couldn't deploy the, the actual ransomware to actually encrypt the files. But since they were in the network, they were able to exfiltrate the files and then, you know, um, put it out to the dark web or whatever. What do you guys think about that? I, I'm, I was thinking about the same thing and wondering why they didn't. And it also, it could be because we are seeing more and more data leaks. It could be. So they're in the system, which means they can do whatever they want. They're living off the land, if you will. And so, and they're obviously not easy to get out of that system. Maybe they're going to start keeping ransomware as a tool that's available, maybe keep it in their back pocket, but they've got R.R. Donnelly to the table um, to talk about money. So there's not really a need to deploy the ransomware. Um, plus, you know, maybe with everybody, you know, having good backups and maybe not everybody, but a lot of people having good backups, a pretty high percentage, um, you know, we're wiping machines to come back the, you know, the industry wiping machines to come back from a ransomware and then restoring. Maybe we're going to start seeing more focus on the actual data and then them using ransomware as a backup if you won't pay for the data. Where last year was all about we use the ransomware as the first call for money. And then the, the data leak is your threat as a backup. Maybe, maybe it's swapped. Maybe they're going to use the data leak as the main way to get your money and the ransomware as the backup threat. I agree with that 100%. So let's jump over to our other uh, interesting attack, which is Kronos, which I'm pretty sure we talked about at least briefly on, on the show before. Um, and a very similar situation, um, but we're talking about disrupting payroll for thousands of employers. And again, I did a, a YouTube video on my channel about this. And one of the things I can tell you from my experience is I got a lot of people heading over to my video, posting comments saying that, their, their company is not paying them correctly. And we're talking about people who, you know, probably work a significant amount of overtime, right? Who expect to get a full paycheck. And if you work 20, 30, 40 hours of overtime um, and your paycheck is only, you know, what you're, what you get paid for 40 hours worth of work. Um, this has been going on for about two months for a lot of companies because they don't have their full system available to them. So they can only, um, cut checks based on, you know, information or paper or files. And it's making it very difficult for companies to do payroll and is now affecting the average, you know, everyday worker when they're dependent on this overtime work to pay their bills and to, you know, meet their mortgage payment. And now their employer is just like, hey, we can't pay you the right amount because of the cyber attack, which personally I think is bullshit, um, you know you got to pay your employees, especially if they work overtime um, and blaming Kronos and using them and using a cyber attack on another company as a scapegoat. We're way past those days in, in, in the business world with all the information and all the things around um, incident response and disaster recovery planning that you need to be doing in your business. 
we're way past those days of pointing the finger and blaming a vendor for something that you can't do in your own business. You need to have backup plans. And, and that's the moral of the story here. But let's jump into what the hell is going on at Kronos. Andre, what's going on here? How long have they been down? What does Kronos even do? Why is this such a big deal? And why, maybe in your opinion, do you think we're not hearing about this other than companies are just being tight-lipped? Let's take the angle of why isn't the media doing their job and covering these stories other than, you know, maybe an article here or there that gets picked up from another industry publication? Yes, we're hearing this about about this in the IT world, but when you're talking about payroll for probably 100,000 plus employees based on the number of companies that run this software, Fortune 500 companies, federal governments, um, that's what we're talking about here. Um, they also, Kronos also outsources this software to be white labeled, to be used in smaller payroll and HR companies. Um, and th those people are being affected by this. So all that going into why isn't uh, ABC News, NBC News, CBS, like talking about this, you know, at least on a, on a weekly basis, we don't hear anything. So like, love to hear your thoughts on it. Yep, and yep, and then plus I have some insider news from someone who's suffering this attack right now in the, in our county. So, so right. essentially a recap: Chronos is a software um, in this basic definition. So everything from fingerprint reader to the old school, you know, uh, stamp machine and things like that. And they're probably one of the top two, with ADP um, being um, uh, maybe a little bigger than them. So they they suffered Kronos suffered a ransomware attack and therefore their systems would not work. So when someone clocks in and out, the recording of that and um, for HR managers and supervisors to see that because Kronos systems are down now, they're blind. Um, these HR managers and, and supervisors are blind to see the clock in clock out time and therefore not able to pay because as a payroll company, they're also the ones who deposit the money. Um, to the employee's check. So um, we have- yeah, the, other, the other thing, that's a great point. The other thing too is they're the ones who also pay the government the yep. taxes. Yep, yep. So, so here locally, for example, in Broward County, um, I was speaking to someone, um, let's just call him a source, and Broward County has 6,000 employees. And he and I asked him, you know, hey, how's it been going? And he's like, we've been down with the chrono. So although it wasn't his his uh, I don't want to say fault because it's what you call supply chain. It's not necessarily their fault. But he's telling me that a six thousand employee uh, government uh, entity is still doing paper and pen to this day because there they there's no way to track who's coming in, who's coming out. So that was something um, really really amazing for me. And um, and he says they, they still don't know when they're going to be up. And then as far as why no one's talking about it, um, I personally think that there's a lot of other items happening in the news with, you know, we talked about last week with Russia and cyber, with the cybersecurity stuff happening. And also, I think that, you know, the less talk, the less pressure that these corporations are now having to um, negotiate with, you know, negotiate with these ransomware um so if less people are talking about it, it's less stress for them and they can now try to restore from their backups or, and things like that. Or negotiate longer, right? Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Randy, what are you thinking? 
I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's news. I mean, I know I mentioned this a few podcasts ago. Um, I'm thinking it's news fatigue. The, um, you know, that our, our media is driven by clicks and dri- driven by, you know, what, what's going to get the most views. And that's just how it all works now. And, you know, we as Americans have a horrible, you know, horrible uh, <laughs> trait of, you know, something's outrageous and horrible today. Well, three days from now, we forgot it, you know, and we're on to the next big click thing. So I think it's a little bit of that. Um, also, if they were to pick it up now, you know, like, why are you why are you reporting on it now? This happened like a month ago. And now most of the articles are dealing with what you started off this segment with. Most of the articles out there that you can find are dealing with people that are getting shorted in their pay because the system was down, quote unquote, um, especially um, nurses and people that work a lot of overtime. So, yeah, it is interesting to me how the media is kind of taking that angle now with a lot of these cyber attacks. They're not reporting the actual attack, but they are reporting when, you know, it hits home, so to speak. Right. When this and, you know, I. I know this, that those are the kind of stories that really resonate well with, you know, major news outlets. The ones where it really hits home to people like you're not getting your paycheck, you're not getting your gas, you're not getting your meat. You know what I mean? Like when people have trouble getting normal everyday things, getting paid on time, these are the these are the stories that resonate with a majority of of individuals, especially in the U.S. Most people have jobs. Most people identify with a paycheck. Um, so you're right. It does make sense for them to cover um, the ramifications or the ripple effects of the cyber attack versus the cyber attack itself, because a lot of this stuff sounds the same, right? And it's not because you see how it affects individuals differently um, as they they go down. So anything else you guys want to add before we move on? Um, I think this was at least an important topic to bring up to uh, let everyone know, like how long this stuff has been going on, um, you know, going on two months. So um, if you're good, yep, we're going to talk about this new interesting one. Um, and Randy, I'm, I'm pulling up the QNAP one educate everybody on what QNAP is like, I, I don't know what, what is it? I mentioned, obviously it was a network attached storage device at the beginning of the show. Um, so other than that, like what are important things that people need so, to know? Where, where do you buy these things? Like, do right. I, might I have one of these in my house and I don't know it and, and the, I could potentially have all my family photos and videos uh, encrypted. The uh, so the QNAP, the QNAP is one of the, most glorious devices in the world if you're a nerd um, because you can use it as, yes, um, what's called network attached storage. So you can use it as a storage device for backing up your, you know, your, your data. It's used in a lot of corporations, even especially smaller businesses. It's used as um, a device to back up data on the network, but it, but it has its own operating system. You can run virtual machines on it. So you could run several virtual machines if you had enough memory. Um, the, the, the list just goes on and on. Like I said, it's like a nerd's paradise um, for you know people that like to geek out on technology. Um, they are very prone to getting hacked, though. Um, so if you have one, 
you have got to be on a regular, like you've got to update it every single week at the absolute minimum um, because they are out there. They're in a lot of businesses. They're a good target for the criminals and the criminals find uh, vulnerabilities and QNAP puts out updates uh, to, uh, you know, abate for those, for those vulnerabilities. But if you don't keep it updated, you're, you're going to be running a pretty high risk machine there. Right. And I guess the other important thing to point out with these things is, is um, hey, QNAP is not, you know, the only one who is targeted. I know Synology is another popular, similar type of product that is also um, one of the devices under attack. But as you mentioned, there's a specific vulnerability that's been identified that was patched back in December by this company. The problem is, is that nobody's deploying the patch, right? And I think, right, this is the problem we're going to have in the future with home users and these devices. These mm -hmm. devices, smart home devices, light bulbs, cameras, doorbells, the, the average home user is not going to know that they need to run updates on this stuff. And the way that they're going to figure it out is they're going to go to open a file or they're going to go use the device. It's not going to work. And then they're going to Google it and they're going to see, oh, crap, like I have to pay money to get my system back or to get, you know, and, you know, businesses are dealing with this now and businesses are putting things in place to, to fight this stuff. You know, they might put in a patching program and like, no, people aren't going to do that in their house. Um, but we are going to be getting to a point. You remember back in the day where they used to like, say like, like before we had all these automated backup things, you basically people needed to back up their computers to like a flash drive or a hard drive. Mm -hmm. you guys are old enough to at least remember this. I, at least I know you are. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I, I feel like I remember they used to say like, back up your data when you file your taxes or back up your data. Like when you change your, I don't know, they used to try to correlate it to like some regular event that you did. Um, and I used to remember seeing commercials of people like, oh, I spent all Saturday like backing up all my pictures and stuff to like a hard drive or something like that. Um, now we've developed technology uh, where that can kind of happen automatically. You don't really need to worry about backing up your pictures and stuff like that. In fact, you know, you can download Google Drive and, and basically back up everything on your computer to Google Drive if you really wanted to. Right. Um 10 years ago, that didn't exist. That wasn't an option. And that's the reason I'm talking about all this is because that's where we are right now. In 10 years, we will probably have technology that will find devices on your network that don't have vulnerabilities in your house. Nice little app on your phone. You get a nice little alert, tells you, hey, this device on your network is vulnerable to this. You might want to check and see if it has an update. And if it doesn't, then you know your manufacturer is probably not supporting that anymore. And it's time to retire that device. Like these are things that are going to have to happen in the home, um, which are already things that we do in businesses. But this is coming to the home, to a home near you, probably in the next five to 10 years. And I think we will have automated things, systems. Maybe your Alexa will tell you when you have a vulnerability on your network. I don't know. Um, Alexa is a vulnerability on your network. Wait, what? <laughs> I am a vulnerability on your network. <laughs> Please update me. Um, thankfully, those devices. Kinda, I think Alexa's auto update themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, something will come in the future that will allow home users to protect themselves better from these types of things. 
but right now we're not there. So it's kind of on you to have some kind of reminder in your calendar. Maybe when you change the air filters in your, in your uh, air conditioning unit, you also walk over to your computer and go to the settings page of your QNAP device and, and click, you know, check for updates, right? And mm -hmm. get that thing updated. That's where we're at right now. And that's what we're here to do is educate you on how you protect yourselves and how you beat this stuff. And right now, this is how you're going to beat the QNAP thing, unless you guys know of another way to do this. Am I on I mean, point? It, you just have to log into the system and there's a there's a place where you can go to do updates on everything. And Or you might be able to set it to auto update. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but... Um, not the greatest idea because bad things can happen with auto yeah. updates, as we know, but... And honestly, when I saw this article, I mean, it barely fazed me just because, you know, there's always something out there that's going after QNAP. And the answer is always just keep it updated. Keep it updated. Right. And, and I guess, did you good. mention why, like, why, like, if I'm a user, I'm like, wait, my, I have a firewall or I have no, nothing is open on my network. Uh huh. Help people understand, like, how these devices are actually attacked right are they are these only qnap devices that somebody went and opened a port in their firewall and kind of exposed it to the internet or is there some kind of back door that they're using to get into these devices yeah that that one i'm not sure of it's probably um all of the above um it could be that they have ports open up to the network to the internet um right could be that all ports are open to the internet and they don't even well i think like these devices like when you set them up if it's a lot like other nests that i'm familiar with it will basically ask you if you want to you know use like do your own dns to like allow this stuff to be accessible to you when you're not at home or in your network right um and when you turn that feature on that's when you become vulnerable to this type of stuff like if you have just a device in your house and you're not kind of accessing that remotely, the chances of you becoming susceptible to something like this are probably slim to none. Um, but there are, you know, there are apps built into these devices. As, as Randy mentioned, you can install all kinds of different things. If one of those APIs has a problem and they can uh, hack it through that, that's definitely a possibility. We're not sure what's really going on here, but we do know that, most home users just want the convenience and they're setting up that convenience to access their pictures and their stuff remotely. And that's when, you know, they become vulnerable and that's what people don't have the awareness around it. When they say, right. say, yes, I want to be able to access my photos from anywhere in the world. Well, potentially so could everybody else. Right. Yeah. You're, your uh, average home user is probably not going to buy a QNAP. It's going to be somebody who's, who, who loves, you know, kind of deep diving into technology. And yeah, yeah they have a, they have a, a service or an app, um, if you will. It's very similar to Dropbox. And instead of going to Dropbox, it even has a little syncing uh, agent you run on your computer, but instead of going to Dropbox, it goes to your QNAP. Um, what I'm, I'm thinking, my, my bet on this is that the way they're getting infected is a breach comes through, like maybe someone clicks on something in an email and in when that program gets into your computer, into your network, it's going to look and see how can it live off the land? Um, how can it give itself further hooks into your network? And if they find a QNAP that's not patched, 
that's a great place to live. That's a great place for them to run their home base out of for your network because it's a full-on OS. I believe it's Linux-based, but um, it's a full-on OS. And, you know, there's so much you can you can do with it. So that's that's my, my, be- my best bet. That's how they're getting infected. And one last thing you said, where do you buy them? Um, you can buy them at like Fry's Electronics, Altex kind of places. You can get them also on, uh, on Amazon. So that's where people get them typically. Yeah, and also Best Buy. Yeah, and, and if your business, if you're heavy into audio, um, video, and like for example, like local storage where you can't just have that stuff on the cloud, more than likely you're the person who set you up. If especially if you're sharing this within amongst others, they're setting you up with a NAS drive. And mm-hmm. QNAP is one of the popular brands, so definitely look into it. Ask, you know, what type of do we have a NAS drive? If so, what is the brand? And even if it's not a QNAP, um, like it's been mentioned, um, these things hardly get updated. It's, it's one of those things that just sits there and it does this thing and nobody touches as long as it's working. And those things are as equally as important as doing your Windows updates. All right, guys. So moving right along, we're going to try to wrap up the show here in the next 10, 12 minutes. we got two more topics to hit. This next topic, 2021 was a record year for data breaches. This is a PCMag.com uh, article by Eric Griffith. That was published on January 31st. And it says the scammers have a new focus. And then though the number of individuals targeted via data breaches was down in 2021, the number of data compromises overall was the highest recorded according to the Identity Theft Resource Center. So let's dig into this a little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the data that we're looking at here. But Andre, you were the one that brought this to the table and you were the one who kind of sifted through the data and you talked about in the green room some important points that this article uh, points out. So let's kind of dive into that right away, like the gist of what this data is telling us, Um, because it seems to me just based on what I've read, they are hitting less targets, but richer targets, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's work on the definitions too. So we have data breach and then we have data compromise. So the breach is when they're in, but don't do anything. But And then the compromise is when now they're doing something with the data. They're using it in a bad way. Yep. Yep. So what what other stuff do you got out of this article that's important? Yeah, so essentially what they're saying is that um, in the past years, they've been taking all of the information. They've been holding all of this information. And this year, 2022, is when we're gonna see an era of now identity fraud, where they're actually gonna be using your information to you know, sign up with credit cards, use your social security. So all of these articles that we've been talking about for the last 18 months, talking about this company has been breached, now they have your social, now they have your email address, your phone number, all of that data that they've been now gathering, they're actually now going to start doing something with it. Um, and, and, and a lot of times, as we talked about, they've tried to do uh, ransomware on the, the business where they try to get the, the company that they stole the information from. Sometimes those companies pay or, pay or don't pay, or it could just be, um, what is it, double ransomware, where now that they're done with you know, the A side, now they're coming on the other side, the consumer side, and now they're going to try to um, make some money that way. Yep. I mean, I just think about all the schools that have been hit, all the child um, information that these guys have now. Um, 
where they could potentially, you know, exploit somebody's credit at a very young age before they're even of that age where they'd even be applying for credit. So when they do go to apply for credit, they're going to find out that their credit credits in the gutter because somebody has been abusing their information for the last 10 years due to a cyber attack at the school that they used to go to. Um, And that's going to be a thing that people are going to have to deal with in the future. Mark my words, write it down, take a picture. Brian just said it. And people in the future are going to be dealing with identity compromise way more than they are today because of these cyber attacks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> these are, this is one of those things that I look at that like, as Randy mentioned earlier, we're becoming like desensitized to all of these attacks. And because and, we're like, oh, nothing happened. There's a treasure trove of information about you and me and Randy and Andre and everybody else in the world on the dark web. People are right now working tirelessly to figure out how to monetize this and how to use this stuff. It won't be long before massive fraud is happening in the world because of these cyber attacks. And just look at these numbers. Just because it didn't happen five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months after the cyber attack, it doesn't matter. It could be five years. If that information is still valid and they're able to do something with it, they're going to do it. It's going to take these guys a long time to sift through the amount of records that they have at their disposal. So Randy agree, disagree. Oh, totally agree. And I think the other thing is um, children, their stuff getting leaked out. Now people taking over their identity and then, you know, the child just goes about their life. Doesn't really know anything's going on. And then they apply for a credit card, you know, when they're 18 and they've got all these bad marks on their credit and all these bad things have already happened kind of under their nose, you know, without them even thinking they should even know about that. You know, so um, one, one of the things I know about this uh, is that historically before the Internet, do you know who the number one source was for ruining a child's credit? The parents. Correct. And that's no longer going to be the case. Like we, right. there's there's multiple cases over and over of parents using their kids information to get loans and credit cards with no intention to pay them back. They ruin their kids credit before they're 18. And thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. You know, that that's the type of thing. I know people that that, that has happened to. Parents are no longer the reason it's cyber criminals and it's going to become more and more prevalent and more and more of a problem for young ones to deal with and older Americans as well. All right. You know, you're going to start seeing real estate being stolen, you know, because of the information that's out on the dark web. So um, anything else you guys want to add to this before we move on? we got about five minutes. Yeah. Can you scroll down to the, a little down on the article, there was some good statistics there as well, where it says Uh, threat, threat vector. Threat vector. Attack yep, right, right, right there. Yeah. That, that, yep. And then the, the next one as well. What do you What do you got? Oh, so basically, um, on the second one, for example, sector trends. Again, we talked about education, financial right, services, you know, uh, all, all the industries there. You got yeah. You got education's number one, right? Mm-hmm. That is insane. Oh no, no financial services. Jeez, oh lord. Wow. 
Wow. Education is not even close to number one, but they got 1.6 million victims, right? Financial mm -hmm. services, 20 million victims. Healthcare, 30 million victims. Manufacturing and utilities, 50 million victims. Uh, tech, other, that's a weird one. Other, what's that about? Yeah, the other uh, has the most and um, manufacturing has the second highest, looks like. Right. So, yeah, interesting. And then let's, let's see the attack vectors. Obviously, they're getting you through phishing. We know that. We talk about this all the time on the channel. Phishing, other, that's another interesting one. Probably means they have no idea, right? Um, and that's right behind phishing. So it's like phishing and we have no idea, right? So it's probably this number is probably higher because they just have no telemetry to figure out if somebody clicked on something or something like that. So, um, so yeah, Stephen Mesco asked a question here. Uh, in that article from PC Mag about the data breach stats, does it mention any trends as far as how the data is getting breached or compromised? And that's what I have up on the screen. Um, so <clears throat> ransomware, well, that's interesting too, because ransomware is probably a result of phishing, smishing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then malware, not secured cloud environment. Wow, you're going to see that number jump this year. Mm -hmm. That'll probably be number two. This number will definitely be a three-digit number next year when we look at this. And credential stuffing, I'm surprised that that's so low. One patch software flaw, zero-day attack. See, all these numbers will increase based on whether or not they have the telemetry to figure out other not specified. Right. That number is alarmingly high, which just – I'll just go out there and say it. This is the problem, guys. This is the problem. Why mm -hmm. businesses are being attacked because they don't have stuff in place to figure out where stuff is coming from. Mm -hmm. They have no way to detect it, so you have no way to respond to it. So when it happens, you're kind of going, oh, we don't know how they attack, so we got to mark that up as other. Right? right? Not good. Um, human system errors, failure to configure cloud security. Wow. Um, correspondence, email, letter, misconfiguration, firewall. Well, I mean, this stuff does happen, right? We're not going to sit here and say IT people are perfect. Problems happen. People do troubleshooting. Um, people open things up, test things out. And then when they're done and the problem solved, they forget what they did. They forgot that they opened this, opened that, left that open, hmm. didn't go back and secure it. That's why you need somebody going in behind the people who are actually doing troubleshooting and doing work. You need to have somebody going in behind them and making sure that things are being closed up properly and you're not leaving things out there. And these are reasons for cyber attack. Physical attack, document theft, device theft, improper disposal, skimming device, other not specified. So, yeah, right where I would expect it. But that's good. That's good stuff. That's that, those are good numbers there. Hope that answered your question, Steve. And we're, we're probably one of the few industries where the numbers just continue. I'm sure if you compare like a, the, the amount of car accidents that happen, the amount of deaths that happen because of, you know, car accidents, or whatever, everything is trending down, but ours is like probably the only free ones. Less you know, well, it wasn't always that way, right? Car, I mean, there was a point in time where car accidents and deaths from cars were, were going up, right? Mm -hmm. And then they started to put time, money, effort into figuring out why that is. And now we have airbags and and seatbelts. Mm -hmm. um, so you're welcome, Steve. He said that answers question. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's where we're at. 
I only expect this stuff to get worse before it improves. Um, you know, we, as you guys know, we talk a lot and I still feel like, you know, our phones could be all ringing a lot more. It has nothing to do with um, our marketing or our sales or anything like that. You know, that's all well and good. It's we're talking to people. They think they're good. They think they're fine. Right. But then a cyber attack happens and they're like, oh, we don't know how this happens. And they become one of this 436. Right. That where if they hired guys like us or they listen to guys like us, we there would be no reason for an other column because we'd be able to exactly tell them how somebody was either trying to get in or somebody got in. Right. And, and really, that's where we're at today. Like, this is disturbing. This right here to me is disturbing. This other not specified is disturbing to me because we're well into a place and time with technology where we can know this stuff pretty easily. So any last words you guys want to uh, leave our audience before we hit the end button? Um, one of the one of the uh, trends you mentioned was credential stuffing, and you said you were surprised by the low numbers. I was too. Um, that made me start thinking about you know the average credential stuffing attack is cost a business like three hundred and eighty four thousand. I think is the the stat. Um, we looked. I started thinking about what you said, and we looked a couple of weeks ago how they're paying people, and over half I think of the payments that they're trying to make to people inside to basically turn against their government, their, uh, their company in a criminal, you know, criminal act. Um, I think, I think over half of those were over 500,000 bottom line. I just think they're going to follow the money. And mm -hmm. as the, the bigger dollars get harder to get, we're going to see things like credential stuffing go up because they can only make 385,000 on that. Correct. If there's money to be made, these guys will do it. As it so happens, they're able to attack companies that can pay in the millions. When that stops happening, they're going to go to the companies that pay in the hundreds of thousands and then the tens of thousands. You know, ransomware started with just payments of three to five hundred dollars. And then these guys realized they could ask for a lot more and the game changed. All right. Yeah. Wrap it up. We got one more comment from a fan. Um, good point here. I agree with the, the statement. It's not really a question. That's why I waited till the end. Had to deal with our. NAS and QNAP uh, topic that we talked about, but he, Ruben Berger uh, says that they mostly infect smaller NAS devices like QNAP and other NAS devices as well, because these devices are mostly used by smaller companies. That is 90% of the time, not secure up to the correct standard, which is everything that we covered. And bigger companies usually have a sand storage device that is more secure versus the smaller companies. The only thing I'll say to that is I agree with most of that, but don't kid yourself that bigger companies are running these, you know, big, pretty storage devices. I've walked into some environments where they're running QNAPs and Synology. So, um, you know, don't, uh, that's the biggest thing that I deal with when I'm talking to these bigger companies is that they, they think just because they're bigger, they're doing things better. And that's usually not the case. Um, so bigger doesn't always mean they're doing security better. Facebook's been hacked. LinkedIn's been hacked. Capital One's been hacked. Stop telling yourself these stories, people, and hire companies like mine, Randy's, and Andre to come in, give you a fair third-party assessment on what the hell's going on in your environment. And then you can know, and then you can start the process of getting better so you can sleep better at night, right? Until you start that, you're going to be worried about a cyber attack, and you should be, so... 
That's it for me. We good to go? We're good to All go. Right, everybody, remember, share our show. Tell your friends and family. Help us grow it. Thank you very much. Become a fan. We'll see you soon.